Welcome. At the time when the book of Psalms was written, there were no synagogues and no churches in the towns and cities of Israel. God's people gathered to worship him three times a year at the temple, God's house in Jerusalem. And they would come, perhaps on a journey of several days, to reach Jerusalem on those special occasions. A number of psalms were written, we think, for people to sing on that journey. And we're looking at one of those psalms today. It's Psalm 125. My name is Keith Simons. I'm a Bible teacher from England. I present these talks on how to understand the King James Bible using the book of Psalms. Today we're going to be looking, as I say, at Psalm 125, verse by verse and word by word. That heading, which we read in the King James Bible, a song of degrees. Degrees means upward steps. And uh, we see this as a title of a series of 15 psalms. The psalms we think that the pilgrims would sing as they travelled to Jerusalem. So verse 1 begins. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. I'd like you to imagine that you are one of those people going on, on your regular journey three times a year to Jerusalem to worship God before his temple. I'd like you to imagine that you're taking the long road up from Jericho to Jerusalem, from the depths of the Jordan Valley. It's uphill. You'll be walking uphill for two days before you reach Jerusalem. And as you approach Jerusalem, you see the hills and the mountains that surround Jerusalem. And then at last, you see Mount Zion, the hill on which the temple God's house was built. And you think of the psalm which says, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. Yes, this place was the place where God had decreed would permanently be the place of his temple. This was the place which God had appointed as the only place where God's people should offer their sacrifices, their gifts of animals to him. And can you imagine the excitement of seeing the temple there on Mount Zion? But thinking, just as the temple had its permanent place there, so God had a permanent place for you, near to him. Because it's, the promise is for they that trust in the Lord. Those who place their trust not in themselves, not in their own power or success or wealth, but who trust God for every part of their lives. And trusting God, their place is close to God, a place which cannot be removed but abideth forever. Of course, the temple did not always stand there on Mount Zion. A few centuries after it was built, Babylon's army 
destroyed it and they took off, took away the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem to Babylon, where they were many weeks journey away from Israel and not allowed to go. They didn't build a new temple in Babylon, no. They mourned for the loss of the temple in Jerusalem and they waited for the time when God would send them back there and make it possible for the temple to be rebuilt. And we can read about the rebuilt temple in the books of Ezra and Haggai and Nehemiah. Yes, God had chosen that place, Mount Zion, permanently to be the place of his house. But although that was the place of his house, although that was the place where God was present in a special way with his people, yet when they went back home, they were not separating themselves from God. Verse 2, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth, even forever. Oh, now at the temple they were in the hills and they looked round from, from the place of the temple and they saw hills on every side and they remembered that God was on every side of his people, those who trust in God, to be their God, to be their helper, to be their defender. And they knew that when they travelled back to their homes, God, who is present at the temple, would also be present in their lives, still looking after them, still protecting them, because the promise is, the Lord is round about his people from henceforth, in other words, from now, even forever, for all time, God will look after his people. That doesn't, of course, mean that God's people will have no troubles. No, as long as they are here on this earth and until King Messiah comes to set up God's perfect rule here, God's people will have troubles. And verse 3 refers to those troubles. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous. Okay, let's take apart the first half of that verse. The righteous, God's people, the people who do what is good and right. The lot of the righteous, the land, the place that the inheritance that God has given to his people. God gave the land of Israel to Israel's people. That's why we call it the promised land. It was the land that God had promised to them. And so therefore, it was their lot. But each family in Israel received its own plot of land, which remained the ownership of that family. So every member of God's people, every person in Israel, had that connection through their family to the land. They had their own possession in the land. That's what's called here the lot of the righteous. The rod now of the wicked. Evil people still had power over God's people. Even though Israel's people were in their own land, in the land that God had given to them, still wicked people had some power. 
And we see that even today. We see even today that evil people do have power in our world and they use that power against good, good people, against God's people. The word picture is the rod of the wicked. In other words, the stick or the staff which a wicked person uses to lean on. Now, if your neighbour is an evil person and he wants to claim some of your land, some of your land for himself, well, he might take his stick and he might lean on it and he might he might start to walk over your land in order to claim it. That's the word picture here. Maybe these wicked people in the verse are foreigners who've attacked Israel and they've taken some of the towns for their own possession and driven out Israel's people from their own land. Or maybe these wicked people are powerful people from Israel itself. They're rulers, they're people in authority and yet they're using their power wrongly to make righteous people, to make God's people suffer. Okay, so what's the word picture describing? For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous. That word rest means to remain. It's saying that although a wicked person might put his rod upon the lot, the, the plot of land belonging to the righteous person, it won't remain there. God's placing a limit on it. It can't rest there permanently. God has decreed that although wicked people still have some power in this world, that power is not permanent. God will defeat their power. God will overcome every evil force. And this has to happen because verse 3, the second half of the verse says, lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. Lest means so that something will not happen. What must not happen? That righteous people put forth their hands unto iniquity. Now, the word iniquity will appear again in verse uh, 5 of this verse, which describes the workers of iniquity. Uh, that means evildoers. But here the word iniquity is a different Hebrew word. It means injustice. It means doing wrong things in judgment. What happens when wicked people start pushing around, start showing their power? Well, good people start to think of ways of opposing that power. And originally, suppose someone does, does something wrong to you or to someone you know. Originally, you'll think of sensible and careful methods to deal with that problem. But if the problem goes on, well, I know I start to think of wrong ways to deal with it, cruel ways to deal with it. And God's people mustn't do that. They, they oppose evil, but they oppose it by doing what is right and good. And so the danger that the end of verse 3 is describing is that God's people are tempted to deal with these evil people in a wrong way. 
the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. No, God's people can't be dealing with evil people in their power. They need the power of God to deal with evil people. Remember how verse 1 describes God's people. They that trust in the Lord. So the righteous have to trust in the Lord, even when evil people are taking advantage of them. That's how God wants them to behave. He wants them to be people who are good and who are upright in their hearts. Both their actions and even their heart's desire are for what is good and right and proper. He wants God's people to be people who never do evil things, who never desire to do something that is cruel or wrong or improper. And first of all, the author of our psalm prays for good people. Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and to them that are upright in their hearts. And you might say, why does he pray that? When God has already said that he does good to those that be good. He said in verse 1, the promise, they that trust in the Lord cannot be removed, but abide forever. Verse 2, another promise, the Lord is round about his people. Verse 3, the rod of the wicked shall not rest or remain on the lot of the righteous. If God's doing these good things, then why do we need to pray for it? We need to pray for it because God has made his promises and he wants to use our prayers as the way that he carries out his promise. God has promised these things so that we have the confidence to pray to him, to say to him, God, you've promised this, you've promised that, you promised that you'll protect the people who trust in you. But there are wicked people who are opposing me with their evil schemes and their wrong actions. Therefore, I pray, Lord, that you would do good unto those that be good and to them that are upright in their hearts. Yes, we should turn these promises into prayers, just as the author of our psalm did here. In preparation for this talk, I was reading what John Calvin wrote about this psalm. John Calvin is, is famous for his belief in predestination. Yet he was clear when he came to this verse that God's people shouldn't just do nothing about the promises of God. They shouldn't just think to themselves, well, God will carry out these things and we do nothing. No. Even John Calvin insisted that God's people must remember the promises of God and use them in their prayers, that they must ask God to carry out these things, and that is how God will do them. The prayer is for those that be good, in other words, do good things, they do what's right and proper, and for them that are upright in their hearts, They're those whose heart's attitude is right and proper. 
And God's people need to be both of these. They need to do the right things and they need to have the right attitudes in their hearts. Of course, sometimes God's people get tempted to wrong things. Sometimes uh, they find that their hearts are deceitful and that they didn't really know that they were thinking a wrong or evil thing. But there's a difference, you see, between that and the people who deliberately choose to do evil. And the last verse of this psalm is about those who maybe appear to be doing good things, who look like what they're doing is right and good, but their heart attitude is wrong. They're really carrying out their evil schemes. The author of our psalm writes in verse 5, As for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity. God knows those people who are truly trusting him. God knows the attitude of our hearts. God knows if we have turned to him, if we've received his forgiveness, if we're living for him. And he also sees that some people turn aside unto crooked ways. The Hebrew words there both express the idea of bending, bending away, twisting away from what is right and good. And this it describes people who, who seem to be good and other people maybe think they are good. But the truth is that they're trying to, they're trusting in themselves. They're proud of what they can do. God sees the truth about those people. And unless they repent, unless they turn from their evil deeds, the Lord shall lead them forth. He shall take them for their judgment and for their punishment with the workers of iniquity. Here, the workers of iniquity, as I said, means the evildoers. They're called the wicked people in verse 3. How terrible to be punished with wicked people. No, let's turn not to crooked ways, but let's turn from our evil deeds. Let's reject evil attitudes, evil actions in our own lives. Let's live for God. Let's put our trust in him that we may be the people that, verse 1, trust in the Lord. And then the final promise of the psalm is verse 2. But peace shall be upon Israel. Oh, Israel's people, God's people in Israel, have suffered so much from the rod of the wicked, verse 3. They've suffered so much from evil people who've wanted to take advantage of them and who've wanted power over them. But God is bringing peace to his faithful people in Israel. That name Israel is very similar in the Hebrew to a Hebrew word which we met with in verse 4. The word for upright. Yes, Israel's true people are those people from Israel who are upright in their heart. Or as the psalm calls them elsewhere, 
righteous, who desire to do what is right and good, and who would rather suffer than do anything evil. And from every nation, those are God's people, God's people who he cares for and loves, God's people who he is protecting through their troubles in this life and whom he will bring to be with him forever in heaven and the new Jerusalem. Peace shall be upon Israel. My email address is 333kjv at gmail.com. Please tell me which country you're from. If you're from the United States, please tell me which state you're from. And write to me, Keith Simons, and my email address, 333kjv at gmail.com. Now let me read you in closing the whole of Psalm 125, a song of degrees. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth, even forever. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and to them that are upright in their hearts. As for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with workers of iniquity, but peace shall be upon Israel.